Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. And we're here to talk to you about uh, one of the fine sponsors of Front Row Knowles, and that is the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been with us for the last couple of years. Uh, many of you may have sampled it for the first time during the spring game. Uh, if so, the news was good. They had the biggest crowd they've ever had in there, and uh, from the stories I heard, things went well. Feedback was uh, off the charts in terms of the uh, – it was a great day to be outside, a great day to be inside, all the food, all the drink, all the uh, t- uh, televisions. You, you couldn't miss the action because of all the glass. I mean, there were a number of people – that spent their first game at Doak Campbell Stadium at the Champions Club during that spring game, and uh, they'll be back, and you need to join them. 644-1830 is how you can get some more information or tickets. Uh, you can buy season tickets. Obviously a great home schedule this year. They've also got three-game packs this year, so you can uh, truly sample it uh, before you make the, the the five-year commitment, I guess, to buy the, buy the season tickets. But it, it's worth checking out. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about Florida State football for obvious reasons, and this is one of them very much so and remember with your champions club seats you get opportunity to be in the club on friday come back on sunday uh, you can make it a weekend visit to the weekend destination you'll enjoy it what he said now here's front row Knowles. broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row Knowles with tom block and keith jones front row Knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you once again. Keith Jones, good to be by your side. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about you, TB? I'm doing very well. Baseball team, all they do is win and walk-offs these days. Well, let's just forget the first nine innings. Let's just go to extra. Well, that would save all of us time. It would save it, the, You know, the way it worked out, I didn't think this at the time that Van Eyck uh, got chased after three innings. But because Florida State came back and won and won and you've got this time off, you basically have your entire weekend rotation ready to go should you beat NC State Friday, and you've got your bullpen in perfect shape. Well, talk about the fact that you, you uh, 11 and Coach Bell chose to go with other than who you might consider as a starter for game one of the tournament, and therefore when you get past that game, you're good to go. Yeah, I thought – Leading up to it, they probably would go this route because it involved changing days off for starting pitchers too much if you moved around. I'll tell you what, we're going to do something completely different today, Keith, because we've we've had a lot of pressure lately. I won't say from who, but somebody that's been a regular on the show. We're and getting we've, pushback. We've had them batting down in the order of late, so we're going to go ahead and... Um, Make a change to the to the lineup today. What do you think? Is that uh, a let's elevate? Let's elevate. elevate. Okay. So uh, as as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Uh, let's listen into the public address announcer as uh, he'll make the announcement. Your attention, please. Fans now batting leadoff for the first time is Kareem. Number one in your scorebooks and number one in your hearts. Seminoles.com's two. Tim, you asked, you begged, we responded. We changed that lineup card and moved you to the top. What say you? I, I, I'm amazed. I'm stunned. Uh, I'm wondering the, uh, the magic of radio, everything you did. I'm, I'm wondering how we can work that maybe into a promo for the show or a promo for the station, whatever, whatever the case may be. I, I think we, uh, we really we found something there. Let's don't get too big. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, uh, I shoot for the stars. On a serious note, were you ever a leadoff hitter ever in your career? 
you know, my career was not um, the most extravagant. Maybe maybe a T-ball, does that count? Hey, I did not put parameters on it. I'm well aware because I have a son that's just passed T-ball that, you know, they just change the lineup every week. So we'll accept that answer. If the answer is yes in T-ball. Here's what I think Tim was most of the time. Uh Uh-oh. Last batter. Oh, Number ten, my. last batter. Oh man, see you just you just killed the entire effort for today's show. Tim, uh, forty wins again, and they do it in walk off fashion. I know we've sort it's it's anticlimactic because the schedule rolls out, and you just look at it and you go, well, about May twentieth, May twenty fifth, they'll get to their fortieth win next year. But I, I it just it continues to be jarring to me when I see that FSU has 40 wins and the the next closest team is Louisville with seven straight 40 win seasons. It's just remarkable. No, it, it's it's crazy and you know we talked a few weeks ago about the you know unbreakable records and how having any of us ever expect that Mike Martin's all-time wins record uh, will be broken. Uh, I mean, is there ever going to be another college baseball program that to win at least 40 games for for 40 straight years or 41 straight years? I mean, I don't know. I, if if I were a gambling man, I would say Louisville probably slips up sometime in the next 33 years, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I don't think it's an achievement that's ever going to be matched. Well, and I think it's the one, I mean, there is reasonableness that someone may make consecutive NCAA tournament appearances because you don't necessarily have to win 40 games to get into the tournament. And I think that's what's going to distinguish this. I don't think there's ever going to be another but, but, 41 times in a row. Yeah, well, I don't think there will be either because you used to play, you know, the first half of the career, and this is not to diminish it because everybody did as well, but you played more games, so it was a little bit easier to get to the 40-win plateau. But even on the regional streak, I mean, that loss by, or you know, FSU's win yesterday probably means Virginia's streak is over, and they had the fourth longest streak at 14. Miami's streak ended last year. I was watching the LSU game last night, and, and the announcers were talking about if LSU would have lost that game, they might not make the tournament. They were in the national finals last year against Florida. So, uh, and I, I'm fully aware that in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, whenever FSU's season ends, it will all go back to the, yeah, that's a great streak, but he never won the big one, which to me is the shame of it. Uh, unless he'll have won the big one by then. Unless he will have won the big one. I, I think. What do you think about this, Tim? And I haven't gone back and lined him up, but when you consider that Tyler Holton went down four innings or whatever it was into the season and was going to be a two-way player, and they lost Tyler Daughtry, and Will Zierzow would have pitched some, this is one of his better coaching jobs to be at 40 wins and hosting a regional again, maybe hosting a super if they have a good weekend in Durham. No, absolutely. I, I really agree with you, and, and, and he gets a lot of credit for that. Uh, Mike Martin Jr. And, and Mike Bell also get credit. And You know, two things on the Tyler Holton thing. Uh, you know, one, I mean, yeah, you know, it, you're, you're missing your Friday night ace and also a guy who was turning into a, a really nice hitter, and I think we all expected him to take a, a step forward. So you miss him, and, you know, it'd be one thing if he was just a pitcher or if he was just a hitter, but now you're missing a guy who was going to lead your rotation and also was going to be a regular in your everyday lineup. So that hurts. But then also, man, just you know, think about how deflating that had to be for those guys. You know, you're talking about a guy who, by the end of last season, had, had really seemed to have turned a corner, had a chance to go play major league baseball, and and you know, or go play, you know, get, get start on his professional career, uh, and and had a you know, from everything we understand, a, a considerable you know something something an offer that uh, that you know made you think about it. He opts to turn down the money, come back to school, be there for another year with his teammates. You're all geared up, you're ready to go, and that guy goes down. Uh, first game of the season. I mean, that's that's a tough mental break, I think, for a lot of those guys. And, I, you know, Tyler's a pretty popular guy uh, in the clubhouse, too. So to be able to get the thing back on the rails and, and, and get everybody, you know, mentally where they need to be after seeing 
you know, a popular teammate and a, and a very strong contributor go down for the year. I mean, I, I don't think that can be understated how, how important that was for them to be able to do that. All right, so they win the first game in the pool. They've got a 72-hour basic uh, uh, layoff. Uh, their position they can come now, on if they want. Yeah, their position now for the weekend, you've got all your starters, you've got all of your bullpen ready. Uh, how how far, how deep does this team need to go into the ACC tournament in order to wrap up uh, the, the ability to host a super regional? Oh, gosh, in terms of wrapping it up, that's, that's tough. I don't know. I don't know that they can – no doubt about it, wrap up a top eight national seed. I think if they were to win the ACC tournament, um, then they would certainly give the committee a lot to think about. I think if they were to make the championship game on Sunday, they would certainly have reason to cross their fingers uh, come to the selection show on Monday. Uh, Short of that, I think it probably would be tough, but they do have a chance. Let's shift to other sports, Tim, because all Florida State does is finish in the top ten in like every sport now, it seems like. So, I guess women's golf maybe is just below that, but they they advanced uh, past the first cut in the NCAA championships, had a really nice year. Women's tennis made it further than ever before. Uh, so good times, uh, and congratulations in order for both those programs. Yeah, you know what? I uh, It's funny, uh, about a week or so ago, um, our good friend in, uh, in Florida State softball and soccer, SID, uh, Scott Moriak, uh, put together a list of all the Florida State programs that have been to you know either the Elite Eight of their sport or the equivalent. And, like, just about every single sport has been there to that degree sometime in the last, I want to say, four years. I wish I had the list in front of me. I should have had it handy. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's really just, you know, excellence across the board, uh, you know, and, and for, uh, for all, just about every sport. But the spring sport's really breaking through uh, this year. You know, Jennifer Hyde, I think, deserves a lot of credit. That's a, that's a sport that uh, has been kind of closed off uh, outside of the upper echelon. I mean, it's, a handful of teams have ever won a national title in that sport. Um, and, uh you know, I think I want to say it's I want to say seven of the no, nine of the Sweet Sixteen uh, were all programs that had won national titles before, and everybody else was trying to break through. So for Florida State to advance, uh, get to the Elite Eight for the first time ever, and also knock off Florida, who's one of the multi-time national champions, uh, beat them on a neutral court, and then beat them in games to end their season. I mean, that's a program-defining win, uh, and I think they expect to be even better next year. Uh, same goes to women's golf team. Uh, finishing 12th. They had a shot to make match play, which is what you have to do to win the, win the national title, but a deep run uh, for them. Another big recruiting class coming in. And both those programs, women's tennis and uh, women's golf, are both led uh, by Florida State alums who, who played those sports uh, during their college years. So that's kind of a cool thing to uh, to see them uh, leading their alma mater and, uh, and kind of taking their programs to new heights. And softball has a chance to get into the top eight again if they can advance back to Oklahoma City. I, you mentioned Scott Moriak. I, I asked him, and we've talked about this before, to look up uh, four-time first-year ACC players, any program at FSU. because of, a long email thread about that yesterday, just so you know. <laughs> well, I guess I started it. So you're welcome for all the work I dumped on everybody's plate there, right? Um, so then you would know this. I mean, the bottom line is I was really coming at it from a frame of reference of, you know, when you, when the coaches or the media votes. The answer is that in swimming and track, you know, if, if you win your event at the championships, you get deemed first-team All-ACC. So there's actually a lengthier list if you include that. But I don't know that anybody found anybody in football baseball or basketball or softball that's done it outside of those no i don't think so there's been you know more than you know pretty good handful of three timers but no that's that's been just about it yeah so jesse warren we're gonna have her on next segment i mean four times in a row first team all acc that's that's not bad when you asked that question by the way uh yesterday and that email i did not go back and look but the only name the only name that came to my mind on the football side was jamie dukes and i believe he was only a three-time 
Uh, yeah, I think they've had. It. I don't think football's had any four times. We uh, we, we double checked. Yeah, and, and then when well, I said were, that, I went back. Were, we were not even in. Yeah, the I was going to say you weren't in the ACC. So there days. wasn't. You know, Jamie was a four-year starter and might have made some honorable mention All-American teams or whatever, but he wasn't even eligible for four-time uh, ACC performer because we weren't in it. That, that that's how rare it would be on the football side. By the way, before we move on uh, from from softball, I just want to say that the, uh, the the super regional this weekend is going to be pretty cool, and I think anybody who uh, is a Florida State fan really owes it to themselves if you haven't come out to come check that out. You got LSU coming in, an SEC opponent, and then the the storylines are just just great and, and obvious in terms of uh, you know LSU came here for a super regional last year, ended Florida State season to go to the Women's College World Series. Florida State has a chance uh, at revenge this year. Um, should be. Uh, a pretty cool series, obviously home finale for uh, for Jesse Warren. No matter what happens, um, it should be a pretty compelling weekend and a lot of fun. I think. Also cool for Kylie Hansen, who's the star pitcher for Florida State, who transferred in from FAU and has not had a chance to, you know, compete on this stage and was really dominant last weekend in the regionals, and now she gets a chance uh, to perhaps pitch her team to the Women's College World Series. Yeah, no, it's a like I said, there's, there's plenty plenty of storylines there. Uh, I think you know for for Jesse Warren and, and, and Florida State seniors, you know they it, it would it would feel right uh, for them to end their careers in Oklahoma City, and, and that's what's on the line against an LSU team that they're familiar familiar with. You know, going through their uh, their uh, their stat book stat sheet yesterday, like oh yeah, I remember her. Yeah, I remember her. Oh yeah, she. You know, and you see everything gets really familiar all of a sudden, and uh, you know it really uh, should be a good time, especially on Friday night, uh, you know, nationally televised game. It's uh, it'll, it'll be good. All right, real quick, Tim. Uh, big picture uh, over in Amelia Island in the last week, the ACC spring meetings uh, wrapped up. Any uh, big takeaways from what went over uh, uh, at those meetings? It seemed, you know, kind of relatively uneventful. Uh, you know, more talk about the ACC TV network, but I think we all know where we're heading on that. I know uh, Willie Taggart mentioned uh, you know, that they still have the, the football facilities uh, on their radar and are still sorting out the best way forward. I know that the, uh, the hope is to have a plan. Uh, in place pretty soon here, so they can go ahead and get moving on it. But other than that, you know, I don't, maybe you disagree, but I didn't think there was anything that uh, that that uh, you know changed the world too much. Vote, voted to go to seventy-two teams instead of sixty-eight, or recommend to the NCAA well, conference. Well, we, we, we haven't talked committee. about that. So, is that just job security? No, ACC coaches is, saying we want more no, teams. No, what in? that was is right now the the four play-in teams play on the East Coast. So if you happen to have a West Coast team that gets voted in to you know that they've got to travel so the theory is we'll have a, a west coast play-in site with four teams you go from 68 to 72 on the basketball side and that that's what prompted that oh, my, that, my opinion well and good and i'm sure that's part of it but you guys both know that uh, the coaches had their way everybody can make the NCAA tournament. yeah so. I'm, I'm gonna side with you on this one tim because the acc coaches even though it's an expansive geographic footprint they're all on the east coast and they're not really worried about if the west coast teams have to travel they're worried, no, I don't think, I don't they're they're worried they're, they're about going 500 in conference and not making you a tournament. You didn't ask me to, to uh, defend it. You asked me to explain it. This goes back to my point last week. You know, we've got Dayton and we got West Coast. Just just put however – and the NCAA, by the way, is going to send you a letter because they don't like to call those play-in games. So just check your mailbox on that. Boy, I'm in, I'll be waited with bated breath. Just put the games in Vegas. I mean, pretty soon we're just going to have everything's going to be in Vegas. It's just going to be a party there. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. Uh, including the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, who, who you got uh, tonight? By the way, Tim. I yo man, you know, yesterday I was leaning towards Washington, but tonight I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay. I don't know. I don't know. I should be. Hopefully, it's a good game. 
All right. Well, that was, uh, I don't even know, that was diplomatic, political. I mean, Tom Lang's on the other side of the glass here. He he didn't even sleep he did last night. Clip. He's so excited about the game tonight and so worried he didn't even sleep last night. So He needs to get on the road. He's got to get down there. That, that's true. That's true. Jeff Cameron is waiting in the wings. He'll come in. They're going to tape three hours in like 60 minutes. It's the Magic Radio. He'll take there care of it. Tim, thank you as always. You got it, folks. Our Seminoles.com insider and our leadoff hitter. Tim Linnefeld batting in front of Jesse Warren and Cal Raleigh I mean all you got to do is just take one for the team and you pretty much are going to score a run I mean just wear one well and, and as well as those two players are playing you're not going to have to worry about stealing a base or running no, hard it'll just I mean. be a jog you as you watch you the have to get ball a lead. leave the field you don't have to get a lead which is relevant because anytime you play Virginia you don't have to have a lead you can be standing on first base and they will still throw over to first base there's another rule that's needed automatically advance the runner to second if the pitcher throws over when you're standing on the bag can we make that happen too you're going to get me talking about walk-off home runs and walk-off here's here what, in a minute. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't know what you got going on, Keith, this weekend. You're not cool enough to have all this lined up, but I'm going to share with you anyway. Uh, Friday it's night, not invitation only, Tom. Friday night at Centrale, it's National Wine Day. Half-price bottles and uh, glasses all day. Saturday at Madison Social, it's the 100 days until FSU football starts party. Uh, which that's intriguing to me. I may be over at the softball game, so that may come into play. Sunday at Township, happy hour two to close. Uh, the DJ will be spinning all of some people's favorite hits from four to eight. Will they be playing mine? Probably not. And uh, Memorial Day, all three of those establishments open at 11. They're serving brunch until four. So I just laid out your weekend for you. So no KJ songs? Um, you can try it. Show up about 7.30 on Sunday night and ask them to play Reminiscing by the Little River Band and make sure somebody has their phone recording it as you do that, okay? All right, Jesse. You're just mean. Do you know what I almost said? I almost said Jesse Burroughs joins us next. (laughs) Jesse Warren. I'm going to get this straight. No, you're not. No, you're not. Her career is going to end in the next three weeks or month or so, and I'm still going to be screwing that up. But uh, Jesse Warren, one of the all-time greats in Florida State athletics history, joins us next on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, and we go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. It's a big weekend for the softball Seminoles. And we are really pleased to bring one of the all-time greats uh, to the airwaves today uh, in the history of Florida State softball. And that is Jesse Warren, who's been the star third baseman, the ACC Player of the Year, and and really the anchor of this team. Jesse, how are you? I am fantastic. You have Super Regionals this weekend, and we will talk about this year's team. And you overcame some adversity with an injury and whatnot. But when you look back to a year ago at this time... It was such a abrupt, the end is always abrupt, and I know it was really devastating for the team to lose to, to LSU in the Supers. So the fact that it lines up that you get a chance to avenge that, and granted, it'll take uh, you know some serious competitive uh, nature from you guys because they're a good team, but the fact that you get that chance, what does that mean to you and the team for this weekend? You know, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to go out there and just compete and um, play the game of softball that we love. Um, I think last year, you know, it was last year. It was heartbreaking, and um, it sucked. But, you know, this is a new team, a new year. You know, we can do a lot different things than last year's team can do. And um, I think we're all excited for this weekend and just to go out there and compete. 
Jesse along that lines and Tom and I talk about this all the time. A lot of coaches and even some players do do not like to talk about revenge. They like to talk about redemption. What's uh, what's your mindset as you go up against LSU here for a second consecutive time? You know, like I said, just you know, taking advantage of the opportunity to to get just go out there and play, and um, we try to focus on ourselves and stay within ourselves rather than who's in the other dugout and who we're playing. Because when we do that, we um, we we're successful with ourselves. So I think instead of focusing on who we're playing, I'm um, just focusing on ourselves and going out there and doing what we know how to do best. And like I said, just playing the game we love and going out there and competing. Let me give some context for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with Florida State softball. Uh, we're talking with Jesse Warren, who's been a, an all-ACC first-team selection for four consecutive years. And Keith, you and I will expound upon that later, but that's a pretty short list of Florida State athletes who've done that. She's the career home run and RBI leader in ACC history and uh, nearing the top 10 in both those categories in, in NCAA history. Uh, that said, Jesse, you went through, and I don't know if you were injured at any point earlier in your career, but you had a broken foot this year, which you played, you know, you, you shut it down for a few games, but then you played basically, it looked like, because I called some of the games, like you were on one foot for a while. So how much did that derail you in, in the middle of your season? Yeah, it, it sucked. Um, I, I jumping over a catcher in one of our games and came down on my foot wrong and uh, cracked a small bone in my foot. And um, I couldn't play for a while. Um, I had to kind of rest it, but um, it's kind of my senior year, so I didn't want to have to sit out too long and not be able to play and kind of regret it later on in life. So um, I kind of just sucked it up a little bit and dealt with some of the pain that I could deal with and, you know, just went out there and competed to my, the best of my abilities and um, was kind of successful at it. So uh, I kept doing what I was doing and just, um, staying mentally tough and um, you know the coaches and the girls helped with that too and especially shout out to Eunice Fernandez for keeping me in the training room and doing all she could do with my ankle to get me back out there healthy. Well what Tom's trying to say Jessica is, is that a one-footed Jessica Warren is better than a two-footed any other player that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, debatable. <laughs> you this has been off talked about as your career has gone on but you grew up playing baseball and and I don't know what the prevalent you know there was a period before your day when fast pitch softball wasn't as prevalent as what it is now at all the high schools especially in Florida on the east coast but uh in, in your situation you played baseball I feel like a lot longer uh maybe before you moved over to softball and there was an FSU connection there too because uh, I think Sherman Johnson was on your team or his dad was the coach just elaborate on that experience and and, and talk us through when you ultimately made the switch over to softball so I played baseball from around 3 to probably, I would say, 12. And then from 12 to 14, I played both baseball and softball. And then once I got into high school, it was kind of the, the line was drawn. It was time to just focus on softball. But um, I never really – I didn't know too much about, you know, college softball. Like, I was more of – I want to go to Omaha. I want to play in Omaha. And um, But, yes, Coach Sherman, uh, Sherman Johnson, Jr., and Brandon Johnson played baseball here at Florida State. And um, Coach Sherman knew – uh, the coaching staff um, through the baseball um, people and just I came to a camp a couple camps and you know they saw what they saw and they liked what they saw and um, they ended up offering me my freshman summer sophomore summer um, of high school and um, it was a no doubter for me I knew this is where I wanted to come this was my dream school and I was just so happy that they uh, gave me they gave me the opportunity to play here and it was probably the best decision of my life to come here to Florida State. What's the most memorable part of your Florida State experience thus far? Um, it actually has nothing to do with me, but I, we, when we went to the World Series my sophomore year, um, Callie Harrod was just struggling so hard at the plate, and 
Um, our coaches talk so much about process and trusting the process, and she never gave up with that. And um, when when it, the time came, it was it was do or die. And you know, she tied the game up in the semifinals, national championship game, and uh, we ended up going into extra innings against Auburn, and um, we ended up losing. But it was probably the most coolest thing that I could have experienced um, from a teammate and from from that team. You mentioned the World Series. You mentioned Omaha previously. I have to think that the World Series in Oklahoma City was number one on your to-do list for this year. So what's it going to take to, to finish off LSU? Yeah, just doing what we do best, going out there, competing every pitch, and um, staying within ourselves and playing Florida State softball and you know, just playing for the girls that stand to the left and right of you and not playing for yourself. And um, when you give up the knee for the we, um, it, it pretty cool stuff happens. So I think um, – just go out there and you know play the game we love and just play it with fun and do it for the little girl that started the game when she was four or five and um just go from there but just have fun with it all around well you mentioned the little girl i'm the old guy of this duo uh (laughs) in that i go back to uh coach joanne graff coming to florida state i come back to when this game was slow pitch not fast pitch i come back to when darby coddle uh, won the equivalent of the Heisman for women's athletics uh, as a softball player. How familiar are you, and how, how much does your your group talk about the history of this uh, great program at Florida State? You know, we have a lot of um, alumni come back and talk to us and just share what they've experienced compared to what we've experienced. And, you know, we're compared to what they've went through, we're, we're spoiled women now here at Florida State, you know. Um, uh, they're great people, and Joanne Graff is an amazing person, and I've talked to her a couple times. I've met um, Cottle and um, Jessica Vanderlinen and all of those great names that have played and passed through Florida State history, and it's just pretty cool to see what they've experienced compared to what I've experienced. And um, just it's very humbling, too, to know the differences between um, back then and now. And um, it's, it's awesome when they come and talk to us, though, and we love to, to know the knowledge and the history behind everything that, that we're going through, so... All right, 78 career home runs as we talk with Jesse Warren. How many of those are inside the park home runs? <laughs> None. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, Tom, that is not a fair question. Well, it's a setup <laughs> to the next question, which is when the ball got misjudged in right field last week off the bat of Carson Gordon, did the dugout, did you and the dugout think at that split second that that might finish it, or were you just thinking extra bases? Oh, uh, me and Anna Shelnut were talking about it. It's pretty funny because we were joking and saying, I mean, if that was us, we'd still be standing on second base right now. You know, uh, we have a lot of speed on this team. And when um, she dove for the ball down the line and missed it, I knew Carson was going to come home. Um, She's really quick and she's very athletic. And coming around second and literally the dugout, I think everybody in the complex was waving her home. And, you know, we just wanted to win that game so bad. And, because that's huge first two games. If you win those two games, I think the statistics say most of the time you move on to supers. And, um, you know, Auburn's a great program, but uh, when Tua was raving Carson home, we were all out of the dugout, already at home plate in the middle of the play. I'm I'm glad the catcher didn't miss that ball because I'm pretty sure it probably would have hit me right in my face. I was lined up directly in line with him. But um, it was awesome. We knew she was going to score, and that was just an amazing walk-off for us and for Carson. Congratulations on uh, the success, both team and individual. Best of luck this weekend. And uh, I'll do now what I did before we started this, now that we're on the air. I'll officially apologize to you for calling you Jesse Burroughs at times this year, even though I was working with Jessica Burroughs during one of those broadcasts. <laughs> Jesse Warren, one of the all-time greats at FSU. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Go North.
All right, and we wish her the best of luck. 78 homers and 261 runs driven, and that's that's doing uh, something. That's hashtag do something. That's gaudy. That's just or, gaudy statistics. Yeah, we mentioned it last week on the show. If you line them up against J.D. Drew and Buster Posey, uh, I mean, she's she's got more. Well, another thing, you know, we, we talk sometimes about, you know, those of us that, that uh, we're in athletics and then we get out into our early adulthoods, we play, you know, slow pitch adult league softball. And we look at the ladies and we look at what they do and and uh, in the fast pitch, and we, we often think – well, I could do that. Well, I tried one time. I'll be the first to tell you. I tried that ball rising is so much different than anything you saw in baseball. And even though it's a larger ball and it's not coming at ninety, you you do the metrics and everything, and it it yeah, I, that, I couldn't hit it. I just couldn't hit it. I'm yeah. not able. I am not able to do it. Yeah, period. Well, it may not be the same velocity, but they're a little bit closer too. So when well, I'm you, just saying, yeah. you multiply all the. Things with Why the don't big you numbers? do that in the break? Yeah. I'll just use the big numbers and just say it's fast. We'll come back, continue to talk uh, about what's going on in the diamond. We'll switch to the baseball side of the ledger right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, it is a stout lineup today. Uh, as we go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, we had uh, Tim Linnefelt lead off. Jesse Warren was in the two-hole, and now Cal Raleigh is batting third. We welcome him from Durham, North Carolina. Florida State's uh, star catcher, durable guy, and uh, having a great season. Cal, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are doing very well. I, I, I got to ask, in light of the way things have gone lately uh, on the diamond, it just feels like it's it's snowballing in the right direction. I mean, there must be an unbelievable confidence in your dugout right now that uh, you've got a chance to, to win in walk-off fashion because you've done it three out of four times. So, uh, you know, just sort of take us through how things unfolded last night. I, I, I know, uh, you know, you'd been up the previous inning, but just watching it happen once again last night in Durham. Yeah, it's been crazy, you know, this past couple of weeks and uh, winning our last three games all in walk-offs. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh I feel like we're playing really well at the right time right now. And, um, you know, it's just a fun time to be playing. Speaking of playing well right now, uh, we can say that about you. What, a uh, dozen uh, uh, game hit streak? Uh, you've raised your average about 48, 50 points over the last uh, three, three weeks. What What are you doing different at the plate that has resulted in uh, these kind of numbers? Uh, you know, just coming down the home stretch, you know, I wanted to, you know, give my best shot at it and, uh, you know, I've just been working on my approach and, um, you know, just the way, you know, I'm taking my at-bat and making sure I don't, you know, waste any and just, you know, I'm trying to do my best every time. And, uh, you know, my approach has been good the last couple of weeks and uh, I've been sticking with it, which has helped a lot. And, uh, you know, it's turned out pretty well. Keith asked you about the last few weeks, but when you look back at what I know had to be a disappointing sophomore year to what you've been able to do this year, was it purely just, mental and approach or was there a stance change or something mechanical that, that that got tweaked to to help you get to you know back to what your form was as a freshman uh there's a little bit of both i would say um overall from the whole standpoint i think it's more mental than it was physical you know because i knew you know i'm at Florida state i'm starting to catch here for a reason you know i have a 
I'm a good player, so it wasn't. I don't think it was too uh, physical. There's obviously some uh, things I tweaked around, you know, with the stance and uh, you know certain uh, fundamental things. But overall, it's just been a mental thing, and um, you know, I feel like I've uh, you know overcame that, and you know, things are going a lot better, and you know, hopefully, it can help the team out a lot more. So. You come from a baseball family. Your dad was a coach. Your 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 uncle a player. So I imagine there's probably pictures that circulate of you with a bat and a ball at like age eighteen months or something like that. When, uh, you know, just talk about what that experience was like to to grow up in a baseball family because I'm sure you began at a pretty young age. Yeah, I mean, ever since I can remember, I've had a bat in my hand. Uh, I've always been a switch hitter too. My dad made me one right off the get right off the get go and been really cool uh just see my dad being a coach you know every day after school my mom would take me to the practices and you know i get there and i get to the practice of the team and you know act like one Cal, when did you uh go full-time as a catcher what what age was that uh, when you made that transition full-time as a catcher um i guess you could technically say college um catcher was my main position in high school but i also split time at third base so, but I guess catching every single game, I had to start at college. So, is this an anxious time at all for you with the draft looming? Uh, obviously, we all know it's coming up pretty quickly. I mean, I'd be lying to you to say, I mean, I'm oblivious to it because I mean, obviously not. You know, it's something that is there and, you know, people look at it. But right now, I'm just trying to take it one game at a time and trying to enjoy these. Uh, well, at the end of the season and, you know, hopefully make another trip to Omaha and make a run at it, which is, you know, what our goal has been since, you know, the fall. That almost sounds like you're paraphrasing uh, the scene in Bull Durham. Do you guys watch that as a team when you're playing at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park? Yeah, I love that movie. So <laughs> it's, it's funny. You know, we get to go back there and, you know, we get to play on the field and then we get to practice on the old field where it was filmed. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a really cool place. and. And that movie's really, it's a great movie. One of the best of all time. I heard Lulu say yesterday, and this made me feel really old, that this is the 30-year anniversary of that movie, and they're going to show it in the current Durham Bulls Athletic Park this summer, which would be a great night. It is a great movie. And uh, when you travel with FSU baseball, Chip Baker makes sure to drive you past the house that was in the movie and the original park. Is Cal- well, I'm going to tell you, well, on one of our football trips probably 15 years ago when we were staying downtown, uh, a group of us went down to the old I, – I did not know that it had actually been filmed there, and I went down and actually looked at the old park, which was kind of – overgrown at that time i think they've spruced it up and yeah has said now cal and the, and the other teams will use it for practice but it's an interesting uh, uh view and an interesting point of view if you uh, if you know that movie at all all right let's uh let's let's get you off of talking about yourself here and and talk about uh, your teammates a little bit who's who's the who's the class clown on the team who's the funniest guy on the team oh geez class clown you know we got we got a good uh, mix on the team i've had to say Will Zerzo, he's a uh, he's a really funny guy. I know he hasn't played a lot; he's been all injured this year, but you know he keeps everybody's spirits high. And you know, he's a he's a funny dude right off the get go. And uh, uh, CJ Van Eyck as well, the guy I pitched yesterday. He's uh, I don't know if he tries to be funny or if he doesn't know that he's being funny, but he's, he's funny to laugh at. So he's a funny guy. All right, and who's the biggest slob on the team? Slob. 
Oh, I don't know. I went into uh, Drew Mendoza and Mike Salvatore's hotel room yesterday, and it didn't look very clean, so I got to go with them. <laughs> Here's a good one. I'll give Tom Lang credit where credit's due. Who does the best 11 impression? Best 11 impression. That would have to be... I got a pretty good one, but mine's not as good as uh, I think Zier's out as well. He does a good one. Well, you know I'm not letting so. you off the hook if you offered up that you have a pretty good 11 impression. Let, let's talk about what's he going to tell you before you take on NC State on Friday. Give me give me 30 seconds of 11 right here. Oh, geez. What will he say to us as a team? Yeah, but in, his, in, in your impression. In my impression? Oh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> Well then, how about what he told you yesterday? Come on now, it's just it's just me, Keith, and you just having a conversation. Yeah, well, I guess before one of my bats, he told me, he said, "You gotta lay off the low stuff, big guy. You don't want to hit the changeup, hit the fastball." <laughs> <laughs> well, see what you you don't know, Cal, is Tom and I did baseball for years. I mean, I I, I, I go all the way back. I was in school when Mike Martin became the head coach at Florida State University. So we we know that delivery and that style. Uh, it's in it's ingrained. My my question is: I'm sitting here. You can't see me, and our radio audience can't see me. But I'm sitting here. I'm holding a Mike Martin bobblehead doll. I'm holding it in my hands. Which one of your teammates is going to take that, and it's going to become a prized possession to them, and they're going to show it to their sons and their grandsons uh, on down the road? Who who who's the bobblehead guy on this team? <laughs> the bobblehead guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We are, they uh, they put them in our lockers the other day, and uh, none of them are left around, laying around. So I think, you know, honestly, there's going to be all of us. You know, hopefully one day we'll put that in a place, and you know, we can say we all played for the legend one day. You know, so I think almost everybody's going to you know keep that. That is pro- that is probably a true statement. Very true statement. To, to that point. Yesterday was win number forty. Was did the team say anything about that? I mean, uh, everybody knew in the back of your heads, I'm sure, that that's what it was. I mean, you just kind of checked the box. That's forty one straight years now for FSU. Yeah, I know it's uh, that's insane if you think about it. I just it's, I don't even know how to comprehend that for being honest. But I mean, it's really cool. We talked about it after the game, and you know, eleven was humbled by it, and. Uh, we all thought it was really cool. It's another one of those cool things that we uh, accomplished this year, and you know, we'll see if uh, how long it can keep going throughout the years. Cal, we got a lot of season left. Uh, you guys have a chance. I mean, you got your whole starting rotation intact, so you got a good chance to make another deep run here in the ACC tournament. Then the NCAA postseason is next, and, and, and the draft will be mixed in, so we don't know what the future holds, but uh, we're enjoying watching you and the team play. We wish you the best of luck the rest of the way. I appreciate it. Thanks, Big Shooter. Well, I got I got called Big Shooter. There you that? go. Oh, great, Somebody great, Cal. Great, Cal. Now I got to call him that for the rest of the day. <laughs> I got to go change my Twitter handle. I'm going mean, to have to arm wrestle Chip on that one because he's already got that. Appreciate Cal joining us, and uh, thanks to Steve and uh, FSU Baseball for uh, connecting us there. He's had a great year, and and uh, didn't we didn't ask him about it here, but he's played every game of his that's, career. That's where catcher. I'm going back. I mean, how many innings in three years well, and has he missed? Other thing, yeah. How many innings he, in three years has he missed It's not catching? just that he starts every game. It's not like they bring in another catcher in the seventh inning. I mean, he's out there constantly. It's amazing. That's why I felt bad. I felt like we needed to end the interview. I mean, the guy needs his rest. They play again on Friday. What day is today? Wednesday?
You want to you want to go on about this uh, ACC tournament format, or should we just leave it be? Well, I just remind our listeners for those that don't know, there's four pool teams: A, B, C, and D. Three teams in each one. You play pool, and then the higher seeded ones get played into you the need semifinals. A flow chart. It's like a if and then, then the one game into the final single elimination. Once you get out of the pool, and only twelve teams are there. There you go. That's all I know. I'm just trying to think of something witty, and I got nothing. Looking at the tournament bracket. Now you know how I feel enough. most of the time on this show. <laughs> I finally put it on a tee for you. <laughs> Come back with more Front Row Knowles after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, we got about 10 minutes until we finish up. Tom and KJ, good show. Tim Linnefelt batting leadoff, then Jesse Warren, then Cal Raleigh. Pretty much a 3 nothing lead at this point. Very much so. Very much so. And, uh, and I just think, Tim, we got to work on his base running skills. He, he was a little slow coming around third. We'll uh, work on it. We'll work on it. He is our Seminoles.com insider. Does a great job. Appreciate Jesse and, and Cal joining us as well. It, it's going to be fun to see how uh, baseball finishes up for whatever reason. They've had a lot of success at the ACC tournament of late. And they what, had six, two out of the last three tournaments they've won in their position real well this won year like again. 13 out of 15 games there or something, yep. something like that. Um, you know, last year it was in Louisville. This year it's back in Durham. The Durham Bowl Athletic Park, we were talking about movie Bowl Durham. It is a, it's a great park. If you look at lists of top minor league stadiums, it's one of the, the highest ranked ones out there. I just am going to continue to beat the drum that that tournament needs to move around at least some. Last year they played it in Louisville because of HB2 and they took all the championships out. Now it's back in Durham in perpetuity. And... I get there's four teams there, and so it's easier for their fan bases to get there. But, I mean, Duke plays some of its home games on that field. How would it resonate if the ACC baseball tournament was at Mike Martin Field? I mean, what would the, what would the folks in Carolina say about that? I think it's a good idea, particularly well, after I, Martin I, after uh, uh, Hauser's renovated. I, I agree. I just uh, – you know, it's like the same talking points. We just recycle the card. But you and I have like four original thoughts, and we just pull them out every three months. But well, you but, know, part but, of the part of the thought process because I read an article or opinion. Um, you know, the NFL announced uh, the next two sites in twenty thirty eight and twenty thirty nine. However far out they go on the draft uh, on the Super Bowl. Oh, on the Super Bowl, yeah. And right now, it's basically boiling down to four places. And, and they're probably going to rotate amongst the four places unless some team gets a brand-new stadium somewhere down the road. So there is the thought process, uh, at least, of moving it around and, and maybe restrict where it goes. But, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, we're in Florida. Uh, obviously, we would like to see something closer to home. Uh, that's a debate I think we're going to be having as long as the ACC exists. Well, if you look – now, granted, I'm sure there's lots of lists, but I did look at one list recently of the top minor league park. And number one on the list is the stadium in Charlotte, which I have not been to. But I've maintained if the ACC is going to be so married to doing things in the state of North Carolina, at least move them to Charlotte, which is a bigger city, more to do. And you have the number one minor league park there. And also, if you play it in Charlotte, yeah, you're 80 miles from Wake Forest and you're two hours from Duke and NC State and UNC. At least it's a, a 
a minor road trip. I mean, you're not playing on somebody's well, home and field. I was going to say, and it's not a it's not an ACC school's hometown, right? Right, so that's that's sort of my th- is is that where the ACC tournament is next year in, in men's hoops? Is it in Charlotte or is it in Greensboro? It's in Charlotte. It's next in year. Charlotte. Yeah, next so year. it's back right. in North Carolina. Yep. It's going to Charlotte. But I did see the league announced that was one thing that came out of those ACC meetings. They announced all the championship sites for next year, and the great number of them. Uh, now there are some that they play at schools. For example, the softball tournament next year will be at FSU. So I need to point that out as I'm on this minor rant. But most of the championships are in the remain in the state of North Carolina, and I get the geography. Okay, I'm done with that. Okay, what next? Let me put that back in the index card, and we'll pull it out again, like in July, uh, in the in, in the box there. Uh, what next is uh, as you heard at the start of the segment that uh, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from. Let 710 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. They might even be able to help you decipher the ACC baseball tournament bracket, perhaps, if you put it in front of Ron's face. Well, four pool, uh, we'll be over that. Uh, I like I like FSU's chances against LSU this, this time around. Okay. Um, Don't tell I, my wife, but I, yeah. I, I think last year um, was a... Um, an awake, not an awakening that they didn't appreciate, but 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 uh, they were on such a great roll going into that ball game, and LSU just put their foot down. I think that uh, as Jesse talked about, uh, you know, stay into the the process uh, to use the overused uh, phrase in Florida State athletics over the last decade or so. Uh, I, I like their chances. I think uh, it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth when you when you have a role taken away from you. And uh, there's a lot of returning players. They've got the transfer pitcher coming in uh, that has been phenomenal. I, I like their chances. I, I know that'll make the uh, block household not happy from that standpoint but i like their chances well not the block household half the block household. no 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 if mama I, ain't happy yeah i, I the know block household oh, i know ain't happy. i know i know the axiom don't worry uh, my wife went to lsu for those of you who are confused front row knowles here on 97.9 espn radio and uh, kj a few more minutes uh hopefully florida state performs better i do think you know you can go a long time and not get a chance at redemption it, it's it's funny how it works sometimes a guy strikes out with the bases loaded and the next night he gets a chance and he delivers a you know a walk-off sometimes that chance goes a whole career and you don't get never it. repeats so you know, now this could go the wrong way for Florida State, but but they were bitter about losing to LSU last year, and lo and behold, they get the exact same matchup and chance this weekend. We'll How see. about another big picture perspective? Uh, I had this conversation you and I did uh, on Monday, talking about some unrelated things, and and the term comprehensive excellence came up. And um, you and I were chatting, and and uh, whether if Jimbo's uh, term was processed, Dave Hart's phrase. And that's was exactly where I'm going. When, yeah. when uh, Dave Hart came in as athletic director at Florida State, one of his priorities was to make sure that the um, lesser sports, the, the non-big three sports, got a proper amount of attention and a proper amount of funding. And that's what created the the inception of the women's soccer program, along with their stadium, uh, Joanne Graff Stadium, uh, that was built. Uh, increased recruiting budgets to um, the tennis and the track and field side, both men and women. Uh, the creation of beach volleyball has been recent, but uh, I think we need to be fair in, in saying that that comprehensive excellence 
began with the with the with the impetus of of Dave Hart, and here we are, x number of years later, and and we're seeing the fruits of that foundation having been laid. And I know there are a lot of folks that say it doesn't matter. All we care about is football, basketball, baseball. But the reality is what what these minor sports have been able to accomplish at Florida State are nothing short than truly remarkable. And I wish we could have a way of making that uh, the old Learfield Sears, uh, you know, Director's Cup uh, have the same importance of of that football national championship trophy. That'll never happen. I realize that. But if we could find a way to continue to elevate that and, and continue to reinforce how important that is and that overall excellence across your program is also a goal, Florida State is on track for that. Yeah, and they're to be commended, and, and congratulations to the programs that have had such good success, and uh, best of luck to softball and baseball this weekend. You know, one thing, Keith, and uh, th- this wasn't uh, really intentional, but we got into so much diamond talk, we didn't talk about the Josh Ball situation, and I don't know a lot about it, uh, so I'm not going to get into the sort of the legal side of that matter, but it would appear that a body that Florida State was probably going to count on, at least in their front seven you know, in terms of guys that are going to rotate, may not be there. And so that makes uh, what many perceive to be a thin offensive line a little thinner. And, and again, for those that are not aware, it was a, a, a judicial uh, student conduct hearing, not a, an FSU athletic hearing and not certainly anything in a court of law that Josh went into because of complaints and issues. And it's that uh, university body that is ruling him uh, ineligible or not able to be a student. Is that is that an accurate statement? I, I think he's been suspended from the university. From the university. Yeah. And therefore, as a result, he's suspended from the football team. And I, I agree with you. I think uh, the, you have to judge the facts and the merits of the case and, and, and how you feel about that. Uh, but the reality is that you're accountable to not just the athletic department when you're a student athlete at Florida State University. Keith, we've got uh, a minute left, and I think we've sung Tim's praises enough. I think uh, there's nothing left to do except uh, wait another two days until we play a game in this ACC baseball tournament. Are we going to have to move Tim back down, though? We'll see. We're going to have to move him down. We'll see. Uh, you know, we went a while during football where we uh, we kept his walk-up music every time at Florida State won. Unfortunately, the way last year went, we had to change it quite frequently. We can we can leave him in the top of the order. I mean, okay. All right. All right. All right. This, Tim, if Florida State wins the ACC tournament this weekend, you remain our leadoff hitter. If not, changes are coming. Keith, I'll talk to you again next week. See ya. Thanks for tuning in here on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Front Row Knowles. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Yeah.